Welcome to Postcast. David Locke along with Ron Boone here on our Facebook Live at Locked On Sports, as well as however podcast you might be watching this on Locked On Jazz or wherever. The Utah Jazz win over the Phoenix Suns tonight, 112-101. They play an NBA talent for the first time. And the game was relatively close at the end of one. They blow it out in the second quarter and then kind of meander through the second half. Game got close, but never really uh, big jeopardy. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, my thoughts were, were very impressive, I, I think, for the Jazz. What was impressive is the amount of the different combinations that Quinn Snyder put out there on the floor. You know, they seemed to respond. Um, what we saw was Donovan Mitchell playing the point guard. I didn't didn't anticipate that would ever happen. I thought he was basically a two guard. Maybe you've seen something different, but I. But Alec Burks, I think, has been. I won't say the surprise, but I, I'm, I'm so glad that his confidence is back. He's really going to help help this team. Well, Donovan Mitchell playing the point guard is the unfortunate part of the night. The reason Donovan Mitchell played the point guard is because Dante Exum got hurt three minutes into his outing tonight. He went to the basket, couldn't really see what happened, but he fell on his kind of on his back on his shoulder hard. Went down in a good deal of pain. Uh, feet were ba- kind of banging on the ground. People were signaling, and then he popped up, grabbing his shoulder, sprinted straight to the locker room, and that was the end of his night. Howell Neto was not available as well, so then there were no other point guards other than Nate Wolters really to play, and so Donovan Mitchell suddenly had to spend some time at the point guard. Yeah, he stepped in there. That's why it's very important, David, for you know to know every position on the floor. You know, I know years ago that was a must. Every player had to know every position on the floor, not necessarily because you're going to end up playing that position, but because you had to know what other players are supposed to do out there, uh, you know, was supposed to do. Now, Alec Burks has played that position there before, and so I, I think Quinn will have some options uh, with, with Alec Burks if, if Neto can't go. And and, uh, and obviously it looked like Donovan Mitchell is going to have to have to work, learn how to play that spot. If you look at Donovan, if you grab the box score tonight, you're going to see the box score, and you're going to see Donovan Mitchell was 3 of 16 from the field. Should you be concerned about that? I'm not concerned because the shots were good shots. and I didn't think he forced anything. I thought he got into his shooting zone, into his shooting area, and was able to, to get good shots off. I mean, he's going to have good nights, he's going to have bad nights. We've seen this many, many times. So I'm not concerned with that. I don't think Quinn's concerned there as well. The only shots that really aren't great is when he's getting to the rim right now. He's a little out of control. And he doesn't quite understand the, the length and the speed of the NBA, which every rookie, we saw that a little bit in Josh Jackson tonight too. For Phoenix, who had 11.8 rebounds, he also had four turnovers. But the, the, big, thing, the big thing for Donovan is if he's going to do that, then he's got to learn how to draw fouls instead of trying to shoot over and around the players in order to get a shot off. All right, let's go to some of our Facebook Live questions. We'll be doing this every night on Facebook Live right now at Locked On Sports. So Brett says Ballenboy and Udo were both impressive down the stretch. Let's start with Udo, who earlier in the day said he's one of the best defensive players in the world and certainly backed that up in the fourth quarter. Well, you're not going to see him score a lot of points, but he's going to be a guy that makes an impact out there on the floor defensively. Uh, he's going to rebound the basketball, and, and he's going to just, you, know, you don't lose anything with him out there on the floor, which is very, very important. Ballon Boy, I think, is a surprise uh, because reputation that we had last year, he wasn't a good outside shooter. He's trying to prove everybody wrong that he can't. Looked at him as being basically a power player, but he's showing now that he can do lo- he can do a lot, lot more than that. I hope he continues to play that way. That makes it awfully difficult for him not to get playing time. The thing back on Udo for a moment is how long he is. I think you see him at 6'9", 6'10", 
but he's got a reach that's not quite that of Don, of Rudy Gobert, but it's not that far off, and it really shows uh, when he's playing the game. Ballin Boy, to your point, had such a bad summer league, and I mean, I almost felt like his basketball obituary was written, and he is rewriting his script right now. It's really neat to see. You've mentioned him a few times as well. Alec Burks playing particularly well again tonight. Yeah, he, he looks very, very good. Looks more under control. Only once tonight did he drive to the basket um, and having to create something that, that maybe wasn't there. Uh, otherwise, he's, he's pulling up. He's knocking down three-point shots. He's pulling up and shooting 15-footers. I think that is be, that could be such a great asset for him if going forward. If he drives real hard, pull up, knock down that eight-foot jump shot, that very high percentage shot, if he doesn't have the angle, the right angle, to get to the basket and maybe score and draw a foul. One thing that I think uh, jumped out to me a little bit tonight, maybe not on the positive end of things, but just kind of as a factual item, is I think this team really still doesn't understand each other yet. We saw Rubio give the ball to Rudy in places where you probably wouldn't. Rubio looks really uncomfortable about when he's going to shoot, when he's not going to shoot. I don't think Joe Ingles is getting the ball in the same rhythm spots as he's used to. Not sure they figured out how to integrate favors. Like, There's a lot of aspects there in which I don't think they understand quite who they are and how they're going to play together. And that's to be expected. I mean, this is a, an, almost an entirely different team. At least the, the, the players that you relied on to get the job done last year, would, would, uh, it, it's kind of an entirely different team. So this team going forward, uh, David, will get better. Uh, you know, The more practice time they have, um, I will be surprised. Maybe I won't be surprised. If, if they well it would be if, if this is a high scoring team um, I like the way they're running now even though they didn't have a lot of fast break points the pace of play they're still pushing and they're playing at a faster pace so kind of like that we evidently have some veterans I'm not going to show it to you because I want to let them keep their kids private but what's going on in front of us is all of the kids of the team have thunder sticks and they're out on the floor playing basically thunder stick wars and they're all of the various kids I think Jerebko's no, actually, Jerebko's kids are little, so I don't know who that was. But there's some Cephalosha's kids are here, and there's some others, and they're all having a great time out here. It's kind of fun it's to the see. Weekend. It is you the know, weekend. You know, weekend. Yeah, it's no school tomorrow. So final thing, Ron, and a great question coming in here from Matt Ball. 112 points, good O or bad D? Um, I, I, probably a little bit of both. But if you don't score 112, if it's bad D, then what's that say to your offense? I thought you made a great point in the game where – they're trying to push in transition. They're trying to work in transition. If you can't do it against Phoenix, you got a problem. Yeah. And frankly, if you can't do it against the Lakers, you got a problem. We opened the season with four of the best, kind of that next-tier Western Conference teams in Oklahoma City in there as well with Denver and the Clippers and OKC and Minnesota. So you're going to find out whether it can really run at that moment. They should be able to run against Phoenix and L.A. in the preseason. The fact they did is a really good sign. Yeah, and I'm very glad to see, because you and I have discussed this many, many times last year about pushing the ball up the floor, and if there's nothing's there, you can always bring it back and get right into something. And I think this is what they're doing this year, which is going to really help, I think, help this team uh, put points on the board. The field goal percentage wasn't that great for the Jazz tonight, 41%. Now, that's where you would like to hold your defensive team to, 41%, because you hold your de- if you hold your opponent to 41%. Stop, stop, stop. I got to do it rather shoot. Effective field goal percentage was over 50%, which is above league average. 
field goal percentage is the stupidest stat that exists. Okay. And the fact that we've okay. built a new stats monitor that doesn't include any advanced stats is pissing me off. Okay. And so you just got the crux of it. But okay. seriously, they had 10 threes tonight. So they really, they're 45 of 97 for effective field goal percentage of 51, 52%. You t- we took over 30%, right around 30% of our shots as three-pointers tonight. Okay. So if we look at this the way I used to look at it, out of my eyes, okay, <laughs> this analytic stuff, in the past, if you hold your opponent to 41%, then you should win a basketball right. game. So this is where the Jazz, what I'm looking at. They have the 41%, the Jazz scored 41%. So it, realistically, they probably shouldn't have won this game. Except for they hit 10 threes and their effective field goal if percentage was over 50. Here's what they really did, because they didn't do a very good job defending Phoenix, which might be the disconcerting part. They had 19 offensive rebounds. Phoenix only had four. So the second chance points in tonight's game, the Utah Jazz had seven, had had 26, and Phoenix had two, and that's where the game changed. The Jazz took 97 field goal attempts to Phoenix's 74, and that's probably really where this game changed, and we can agree on that. Okay, we can agree on that. So you look at this. This is how the Jazz are going to win games this year, right here. Forcing turnovers and getting offensive rebounds. Absolutely. That three-point field goals, it's 10, 11, 12, they're going to have to average that many. Well, it's an interesting combination. If you get 10 threes and you go grab a bunch of offensive rebounds, they got tonight they got 19 out of 54 potential offensive rebounds, so they were up about 35%, which is really high. Well, that's, that's a script that wins basketball games. All right, thank you very much for all listening. We appreciate great questions. We'll be doing this after every game, and we look forward to you listening and telling your friends about it so we can have more interaction on our Facebook Live or just listening here on Lockdown Jazz. Thank you very much. This has been Postcast. David Locke along with Ron Boone.